live to tape. Welcome to Millennial episode 14, season 2. I am not Andrew. I'm not Elisa. And I'm not anybody. (laughs) (laughs) We need to start this episode off with some somber news, I think. Um, Andrew Sims is no longer with us. He was arrested over the weekend. Um, He was caught defecating in front of a kindergarten classroom. Um, Again? Again, uh, his first offense, they let him go, and, and this time uh, they they threw him in, in behind bars. So um, it was good to know you, Andrew, and thank you for the great times. Thank you for establishing Millennial with us, but now um, it's time to move on. Divided by three. Divided by three. But thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, we have already replaced you, sir. Today we would like to welcome my good friend Brad to the show. Welcome, Brad. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. So, Brad, just tell us a little bit about yourself first. I mean, we're going to talk about how we met, but who, who the, the fuck, fuck are, are, you? are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Elisa's friend, and um, that's about it, right? I don't, I'm, like, just <laughs> dragging on Elisa's coattails. It's basically like that scene from One Way Bride, and I was just holding on for my life, and Elisa keeps running, and... I don't know. I like, I'm so not interesting. Um, so yeah. Um, that's so not true, but (laughs) I wanted to have Brad on because he's, I mean, he, you, you, you speak a lot to like economic and financial institutions and you're just really in tune with that stuff. And whenever you and I have conversations about it, you say things that go way over my head and I just kind of nod and smile and I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. So <laughs> I wanted to introduce you to the show because I think there will be some good conversations both today and in upcoming weeks um, that your your insight and unique expertise um, could come in handy. But we met actually, speaking of how fucking bougie we are, we met actually at Oxford mm-hmm. um, when we were studying abroad there. I actually have no idea how we met. Um, I'm a shitty friend too, as like, <laughs> I'm a shitty person in general, I think, as, as people will gather the more I talk. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were vast quantities of, of alcohol involved in our first encounter. And, uh, I think the virtuous cycle of drinking and, uh, blackmail has kept our friendship strong. It is. <laughs> drinking and blackmail. Yeah. They're the two it's... pillars of our relationship. <laughs> I actually remember the thing I remember most about you and I in Oxford is you're the first person I ever saw turn a legitimate shade of green <laughs> because we got really pissed drunk one night and it was like, what was it? One pound shots. Yes. And um, you really just went like full frontal and <laughs> I walked into the bar. It was like barely 9 p.m. and there's Brad and he is, I'm not kidding you guys, I and mean, he's actually green. Like not 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 pale, not a little yellow. Like I didn't know skin could turn that color. Um, and he ended up puking like in his roommate's bed. So that was a fun. All night. over my roommate's bed. It was great. He was. You had you had to kid. you had to make sure that it was yours. You were claiming that half of your room. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I get it. It was that or hump his leg, and I couldn't stand anymore. So I just. <laughs> 
was a process of elimination. That's right. Amazing. All right. Well, before we get on to the show, we actually just recorded our Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring commentary two days ago because we met our milestone on Patreon. So that commentary is up live, and we have a short clip to play for you guys. All right, guys. Council of Elrond, get fucking excited. This is basically like the Continental Congress, right? I mean, it's kind of better than the Continental Congress. Oh, look, there's T-Jeff being a little priss. This is where I want to talk about who is who. Okay. So we clearly we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have the fellowship, okay? They're forming. Bring forth um, the ring. Frodo. So, Laura, you and I are just gonna decide this because yeah, because the they're not aren't... here. I'm here, okay. bitch. Oh well, Matt, not... we already we already know that you're Merry and Pippin. I'm back now too. I don't know any of the characters. So Andrew, you can Andrew for... is Boromir. That's both a blessing and. A... <laughs> It means he doesn't have to suffer through the second or the third movies. That's true. <laughs> I like it. If we do commentary for the other two, Andrew doesn't have to show up because he died in this one. <laughs> I am about to die for them. So that was, that was a lot of fun, actually. I know I was a little nervous going into it because I was like, oh, my God, this is a three hour fucking movie. Are we going to be able to talk to each other that long about elves and shit? It turned out really well. I had a lot of fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was Andrew's second time seeing the movie. And it was, I think it was the funniest part was Andrew was asking like legitimate questions that we all thought were the stupidest <laughs> thing in the world. Wait, like, what did he, what did he think the ring wraiths were called? He kept demons. Call- <laughs> he kept saying, he kept calling them demons. He was like, oh, the demons are the- back. <laughs> the demons are back. I'm like, Andrew. What fucking universe? Did you have no childhood? Like, how do you not know those are ring race? And like the first, when the movie originally started, he was like, oh gosh, I love the Shire. I wish the, most of the movie was in the Shire. And Laura's <laughs> like, uh, half of it is. We're still in the Shire. <laughs> it was like 40 minutes later and Laura was like, Andrew, remember that time you said that you wished more of the movie was in the Shire? <laughs> well, look. We're still in the Shire. So yeah. much fun. So you guys can check that out over at patreon.com forward slash millennial. It's available to any and all patrons um, for as little as $2. And sign up. Check that out. You'll get it immediately. I think it was fun. There's a lot of other bonus content there, too. And speaking of our listeners and the Patreon and what have you, what what is going on with t-shirts, Laura? So, t-shirts are being mailed this week slash the beginning of next week. So, all of your shirts will be in the mail as of, like, next Wednesday. So, get excited, guys. I am excited. I am excited. T-shirts are coming. (laughs) T-shirts are coming. I should have sounded more dramatic about that, right? Like, t-shirts are coming. Just like like Game of Thrones. (laughs) Millennial is coming. And it's 100% cotton. (laughs) Uh, amazing. They look really, really great, though. Um, I keep marveling at how fantastic they look every time I pack one of them. Um, I'm My arm is actually going numb from packing all these shirts, so I hope you like them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Laura. Yeah. Thank you for, for sacrificing your appendage for the team. I do bear this burden. 
Thank you, Fardo. <laughs> well, so moving on, we want to introduce a brand new segment this week to the show, and we're going to call it Fuck Off, Cupid. This is based off of a, um, a vlog series that I started called Adventures in Online Dating. I've been doing it for just a few months, and I read some of the insane messages that I get from guys on OkCupid, and then I usually give some tips and what have you for how not to be quite so fucking insane. Laura had the great idea of turning this into a segment, so I'll let you kick this off, Laura. Yeah, so we were really inspired by you guys because dozens of you took to our Facebook group to post screen caps of your most absurd interactions. Um, and we wanted to make a place where we could catalog your experiences and showcase all of these winners. So you can go to fuckoffcupid.com to check us out. And you can also follow our gallery on Instagram. It's at fuckoffcupid. We will be performing dramatic readings of some of your submissions in a few minutes. But first, we wanted to dive in and kind of have a little mini discussion about a specific sphere of online dating. And that is the online dating experiences of gay men. We really wanted to talk about this for a couple of reasons. One, half of our panel is gay. And if Elisa and I are allowed to spend... (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like if Elisa and I are allowed to spend so much airtime complaining about our experiences, we should probably take a fucking seat part of the time and open up the floor to other kinds of experiences. The other is that while we were putting this together, I showed this to a friend of mine who's gay, and he absolutely loved it. But then he sort of timidly asked if he was allowed to submit, quote, gay stuff as well. And I was like, of course. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Get your gay shit off of our shit. (laughs) But it did. It really did make me stop and think about how 90% of the time conversations about weird and creepy online interactions seem to center around heterosexual people, whereas gay and lesbian people rarely get the space to talk about the fuckery they experience. Um, so, like, my friend showed me his interaction from Growler, in which a man told him he was cute, and when my friend didn't immediately reply, this douche nozzle went from zero to 100 and informed him that when people compliment you, you're supposed to thank them, and then called him a fucking child. What yeah. the fuck is Growler? <laughs> And I how mean, fast can Matt and I download it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I thought you, Growler was serious? a notification app for your for for your computer for your iMac. All Remember? I know, all I know oh, is it's spelled it's spelled G. It's like growl and then with an R on the end. All right, let's see, <laughs> let's, let's see what this is. It's but, like Growler with that like eggplant emoji. Oh, it's a oh, it's the Gay Bear <laughs> app. Okay, so it's like Grinder but for gay bears. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't understand what you just said, but Daddy. <laughs> so I feel like I know Matt and Brad, you guys have had some pretty interesting experiences yourselves. And we yeah. wanted to kind of we, we fucked a lot of guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to kind of open the floor to you guys so that Elisa and I can shut the fuck up for five minutes. No. All right. Well, Brad, since you're new, you can open up first. Yeah. OK. Um, <laughs> that's cool. No, I guess, okay, I have a story, and then you and a couple Anna. I, actually, I have a lot of stories. Um, but I feel like, okay, there are certain bad ta- like bad date archetypes that I think we can all appreciate, and, like, one of them that, like, really is heinous that bothers me is when someone looks nothing like their photos. Mm. Like, 
you meet them in person, but their photo is like them 15 years and 15 pounds ago. And it's like, maybe there was once a time where they look like that photo, but you meet them and it's like, oh my God, what, oh my God, like what happened? Um, <laughs> so I was chatting with this guy on OkCupid and uh, he was very discreet and very uncertain and cautious. So I was like, okay, I can appreciate a guy on the DL and... We chatted for like a long time, like a month, which is like a year in gay time. So it was super tedious, but he said he was a swimmer and his picture was this like really nice torso. And I was like, Oh damn. So we <laughs> like, we finally met up. And of course I'm sitting at this cafe cause I was on time. He was late strike one and I'm getting really anxious and guys are like walking past and you know, like you're waiting for someone and you're like, you see one guy and you're like, oh, God, please don't be that one. Or you see, like, another guy and you're like, oh, my God, just sit on my face. Um, but, I know that feeling. <laughs> you know that feeling, right? Oh, That's yeah, like- <laughs> except I usually want to be the one sitting on their face. <laughs> hey, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So um, he sits down, this guy, and, of course, I was horrified. And we started eating and we were, like, just, I think we got, like, like lunch or something and I you know if I was a better man I would have just like let it go but I'm a horrible person so I had to make some passive aggressive dig and I was like you know because he told me he like swam I was like so you said you swim like when's the last time you were in the pool and I know the answer is like not in forever and of course he was like oh yeah yeah it's been a while and I'm thinking in my head like no shit I can tell oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just well like the only swimming this guy has done like recently must have been like belly flops or something like holy God, like his photos but so we wrap up the meal we go our own ways but you know like i'm visibly like annoyed and upset like don't want to send any signal that there's going to be a round two but he um you know he texts me he's like oh i had a really good time and we'd definitely like to connect again, but I'm just thinking, like, the only thing I'm going to connect is, like, my foot into your ass. Because why are you just so, so explain, explain a little bit, like, why that bothered you so much. Because <laughs> my, my feeling is that, I mean, I understand that, you know, we need to, like, be representing ourselves accurately. I guess, I guess the question, though, is, like, how egregious was it? I feel like if you've gained, like, five pounds or something, that that shouldn't be a big deal at all. Like, that just happens. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. if you represent yourself as, like, I don't know, whatever. If you represent yourself as being, like, an Olympic athlete and you, you know, aren't, then some people say that it's not so much how the appearances, it's just the fact that, they now seem dishonest and it kind of puts a bitter taste in their mouth. Yeah. I think one of the biggest rules too about, at least for like the dating and the gay community is that you, you have two years tops to post a, a photo. Like if it's been longer than two years, then you have to discard it because it's not a true photo of yourself. And I, I mean, in my experience, I've seen like there were some, um, uh, what dating sites that actually dated when the person uploaded a picture and like there were some that were almost 10 years ago and it's like it, and it was his profile picture and i'm like dude like that's that's you, you were that you are the same age in this picture as me but 
you kind of, you know, skipped a decade in between. <laughs> I legit just checked my OkCupid to make sure that none of my pictures were older <laughs> than two years old. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. one in there that's like part three of the years problem. old. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the rules. It's the, it's the rules. You know. Um, I mean, I got catfished almost. Really? When I, yeah, it was the first time I I started OkCupid. I don't know if I, t I guess I didn't tell the story. Um, the f one of the first people to ever message me on OkCupid um, was this guy. He was uh, from Northern California, so he was about like a five or four or five hour drive from me. And since I was new to the whole dating scene, like I didn't know, like that's a big red flag. That's if somebody is not within like your town or vicinity, then most likely this person is either um, like a virus or a spam account, or it's just somebody who's catfishing you. And so, like, I chatted with this person. Um, he was very attractive, like, good-looking guy. Another red flag that I didn't know about. And <laughs> it's um, this 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 guy started like texting me literally like every minute, like every thirty seconds or something, which I thought was which I thought was kind of cute because you know this is my first time in the dating world. And so I was just chatting, you know, at the gym and stuff. And then like five minutes go, and he's like, "Oh, you didn't text me back." Frowny face. And I'm like, "Okay, bitch, I'm I'm kind of done." Anyway, so. <laughs> Uh, cue like two or three days into the relationship, this relationship, <laughs> 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 a stupid relationship, and uh, I at this point I've sent him like a half a dozen uh non like not sexual photos, just like photos of me, and then I start asking for if he can send me a picture of himself, and he's like, oh, I can't, I'm at work right now, or I can't do this, I can't do that. Then after a while, it started to realize like this guy is like actively trying not to show his pictures. And so then I started asking, like, can I come visit? Uh, perhaps I'm going to be up in town uh, in a couple weeks, actually. And I could, you know, swing by. We could have coffee or something. And then immediately I get a response saying, so uh, let me ask you a question. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, that was when I started to realize, oh, shit. Is this one of those catfish thingies? And then he asked me, like, do you like me for my personality or for my looks? Oh, no. You're like, bitch, I haven't seen you. I was like, I, I, I don't know you. I, that's why I want to meet you. He's like, well, I, please answer the question. It's very important. And I go, um, no. Actually, then I started to realize, you know, he, it wasn't him. And then I, I asked him, is, is this really you? And he said, please answer the question that I asked you first. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I said, okay, if this is not you, then don't respond to me. And then he just responded after a couple of minutes. I guess I'm going to die alone then. Oh my god, what that's the so fuck? sad. See, this yeah. is, is kind of what I was getting at earlier, is that I do think there's a point where, like, we shouldn't be, like, too superficial about things. Like, if you meet up and they're not, like, fucking identical, like, sometimes shit just happens, you know what or I mean? Or they're not the same person. But, that's like, but, but, exact, but, like, in the in, like, your case, Matt, like, this is a, this is a clear example of, like... Of like just blatantly lying about your identity as a human. Right. There's a there's a clear difference between between that. You know, are these are these like your are these your horror stories? Like think of like your, your worst <laughs> horror story. Is this like your horror story? Because like no. they're 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 not great, but I feel like they're half like I don't know. Like that doesn't I sound. Mean, I don't think I've ever had horror stories. No, I I think at the other than that, most of it is. Oh, I mean. I don't know if you girls know this, but like gays can be pretty catty and bitchy. And 
we're friends Listen with you. Yeah. Listen and, to me. <laughs> and, yeah, and sometimes, you know, like when you're when you're on like a website, like you're on Growler or Grinder or something, and they message you and you don't respond because you know you're not into them or you have other messages that you're responding to. Five minutes later, they're like, uh, "Okay, don't be a rude bitch." If someone gives <laughs> you a compliment, then you respond. Right. That's what happened to my friend. That I described a little bit earlier. Yeah, that, that, that's you know, that's the extent of it. I don't think we've had any horror stories. You haven't, have you, Brad? Uh, well, like I did this. No, I mean nothing. Like really, really. I don't know. Like I went somewhere and the person like tried to abduct me or anything kind of crazy like that. But yeah, I mean, like online dating doesn't work if people aren't going to be honest, right? Like that is what holds the whole thing together, you know, you're meeting someone that you've never met before and it's totally blind and you have no connection. Like mm -hmm. if, if they're not going to be honest, then, you know, it's like you said, Elisa, it raises like all these red flags. Are they insecure? Are they dishonest about other things? And everything else that goes into your mind that just totally turns you off attractive wise from, from someone. But I mean, I, I've had a similar kind of situation where I went to like Savannah for a trip with my family and, there was like a photo of me that I thought was a pretty solid photo um, in terms of my looks, but it was like me with um, what's her name? Uh, the like cook, the chef. You all know she has that kitchen, Georgia. Oh Paula yeah, Whitney. yeah, Paula Dean. Paula Dean. Yeah, been off the radar, but yeah. Anyway, I got like a number of guys, like I got some guys who were like, you racist, blah, 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 because I had Paula Dean in my profile picture. And then I'd get like random guys who'd be like, Paula Dean, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I get like the really like the hashtag Black Lives Matters crowd and like that. Paula Dean is very controversial in our, <laughs> in our group, in our community. So yeah, it was a big deal for the gays. Jesus. All right. Well. <laughs> Speaking of the big deal for the gays, so we're actually we want to talk more about this in in After Dark. We have a whole discussion planned for dating in general, not just online dating, but dating in general. One of the things I want to ask you guys about: What do you think? Some are what are some of the differences between the gay and straight communities in terms of how we approach our love lives? Oh, so, good. well, I'm yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I want to. I I love your I love your guys' stories. So I want to I want to hear more about that later, but. For now, any quick, like, super quick last-minute tips, anybody online dating, do's and don'ts, like, what would you say? Um, don't, treat, uh, don't treat a relationship via online dating the same, like, as you, as you would in a, in, in a previously traditional relationship. Mm. Yeah. And definitely be honest with yourself and what you want um, and also with your expectations just don't take online dating that seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a I fucking think, app. <laughs> I think that in terms of saying something to somebody and, and, and approaching them for the first time, if it's not something you think would help you land a date with somebody in an IRL context, then it's probably safe to say it won't do you any favors on a dating app either. That's so a good one. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Shit, that kind of covers everything I would say. I yeah, you should have said first. I'm sorry, Laura. <laughs> I would say this. I, I, mean, I take my back. I said this in my actually in my last blog, but I really do think profile pictures are important, and isn't because you need to look like a supermodel. In fact, I think it's because it should 
just be a normal profile picture. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many fucking pictures someone's trying to be like way too artsy about it. They make it like black and white. They cover it in filters or they're just there's sometimes there's a group photo. I can't tell which of you is, is, is actually you and don't put a bunch like if you're a guy and you're trying to date other guys or girls or whatever, don't put like a bunch of girls in your photo. If you're a straight guy and you're trying to date women, don't make it you with your arms around like four girls and you're like grabbing their tit. Like that's, (laughs) I, I see that really often, too. But anyway, that's my tip. It's really disturbing to watch a guy grab all four girls one tit. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, <laughs> it's just like a guy. And like he has his arms around his, his, his friends. Right, right. And he's like subtly feeling them up. It's weird. It happens it a lot. It's weird. Yeah. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to our dramatic readings for this week's episode. We won't be telling you who's playing who because these conversations escalate pretty quickly and it should be pretty clear who the psychos are, but they are quite short. So each reading will be separated by this sound and then we'll move on to the next one. So Brad, Elisa, you're up. (laughs) You know the scene in Batman where the bats all fly out of the cave at once? Well... After a week of a stodgy bread diet, followed by a coffee, that just happened in the toilet. Strong opener. I would love to douse you in green paint and spank you like the disobedient avocado you are. Do you like dragons? What kind of a question is that? Of course. Because I'm going to be dragging my balls across your face. Wow, Jewel. Okay, what's going on with your eyes? No wonder you live near Walt Disney World. You have total magical Disney princess eyes. Smiley face. Wait, I want to start this over. I know you get like a thousand compliments a day, so I'll just say thanks for looking at mine. Let's get pizza and park hop. Smiley face. How's OKC been going for you here in Florida so far? It's been mostly full of liars and fakes for me in good old Hollywood, California ellipsis but i guess that makes sense now that i think about it i'm chris i'm in town doing some pre-production on a feature film we will be shooting here in orlando this summer would love to tell you more about it because we are looking for local production assistants to hire for july and august we just got financing and to celebrate we can fuck no wait not you i didn't mean fuck about you i was reacting to the traffic light Fuck to the traffic, like, not you, not that I wouldn't want to fuck. Wait, wait, no, wait. No, 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 no. That's not what I should be even admit. No, okay, wait. Ah, hold on. I shouldn't even be writing any of this right now. I'm driving. The light just turned green. People are beeping. Yes, I know, I know. But you are worth risking a horrible traffic death to bring you that compliment. That was, to be clear, for the listeners at home, all... Just all one single message. Wasn't a bunch of them. It was just one long message. That was fun. Um, thank you to, thank you to all the listeners who submitted those. Um, again, please, any online dating experiences you have that you want to share, take screen caps. You can email them to us at millennialshow.com. And yes, of course, this isn't just for women, men too, gay or straight. Um, 
anything. So yeah. send them over to us. Laura, do you have anything to add? Uh, Millennialshow at gmail.com. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just, just send them to the website. <laughs> just send them. This is a great idea, girls. You are amazing. This oh is going to probably that... be my favorite my favorite segment. <laughs> there's going to be, um, for those of you listening to the show right now, there's going to be an extended blooper edition of this at the end of the show. <laughs> Because we couldn't get through one of these very well. I think, I think you can guess which one. I so can't wait to, to that. I can't <laughs> wait to do this. I can't wait to keep doing this. We're going to share more um, uh, next week. So, But for now, moving on, let's get into news. Matt, you want to kick us off with a story from Sesame Street? Sure. So kicking off the news this week, we'll begin in Afghanistan, who is welcoming a new resident to Sesame Street. You guys, Sesame Street is going to end the war. I swear to God. Sesame Street is introducing their first Afghan puppet, a girl named Zari. Zari is a six-year-old girl who will be joining season five of the Afghan co-production version of Sesame Street. The Muppet will be featured in locally produced segments focusing on girls' empowerment, national identity, physical health, and social and emotional well-beings. Uh, the purple Muppet na is named Zari, which means shimmering in both Pashto and Dari, I believe I'm pronouncing it right in those languages. So Zari, so Zari the Puppet is going to have three different kind of segments on Sesame Street. The first one is going to be Zari exercises. Zari says salam. And Zari interviews uh, doctors. So I, <laughs> I am so, so happy about this because, sorry, what's up? No, I was going to say, so I actually have never, I was never a Sesame Street fan. I got to tell you. Really? No, I never oh, I got love into Sesame it. Street. That was my jam growing up. I, I was, I was too busy watching so Bob Ross and, and literal paint dry. Um, that was my childhood. <laughs> so what, so, so this is cool. I mean, just from an objective standpoint to have like wider global representation. Matt, can you clarify something for me? Because. I understood that Zari was just being added to the Afghan version of Sesame Street. She will. No, she not is that now. She, not that she was being added to ours. Or no, did but, I misunderstand that? Well, she w she will be joining the the cast of the co-production of Sesame Street. Like, it's called Bach. I, I can't even pronounce it. I'm so sorry. I'm too white <laughs> and Western American. I'm sorry. But it is like the the... Afghan version of Sesame Street. But mm. uh, from what we know right now, she will be only featured on the, uh, oh, uh, the Afghanistan co-production. But that doesn't mean that she won't transcend into uh, the HBO series Got of Sesame you. Street. So, can we kind of talk about how it's bullshit that HBO is getting the rights to Sesame Street so that poor people can't watch it? That's not true, though. That's not true. Like The episodes will be syndicated on PBS. HBO will release them. Just the new episodes will be on HBO first, and then they will uh, later be released on, on the uh, PBS station. So how much later? I don't know. Well, I don't like okay, it. Sesame Street was in a huge, like, fight, like, it was about to go bankrupt. Like, Sesame Street was about to be canceled. HBO picked it up. So, um, I, I really, I actually really respect HBO for doing this because they, even though they picked up Sesame Street, they did not have to give the episodes that the new episodes to syndicate at all. They didn't have to, uh, no, and that's, that's and they are point. doing it. So yeah. All right. Well, very cool. 
Welcome, Zari. <laughs> this should be fun. Um, so bringing Zara. things, bringing things back home for a minute, Bill Clinton kind of lost his cool with a group of Black Lives Matter protesters at a rally for his lovely wife, Hillary. Matt, I think you have that clip. I don't know how you would characterize the gang leaders who got 13 year old kids hopped up on crack and sent them out onto the street to murder other African-American children. Maybe you thought they were good citizens. She didn't. She didn't. You are defending the people who kill the lives you say matter. Tell the truth. You are defending the people. Yeah, so of course, what Bill is talking about there is Hillary's comments from the 90s that a lot of Black Lives Matter protesters have brought up again and again. Um, her comments that these these children were, quote, super predators who needed to be brought to heel. And it seems that he's trying to draw a distinction here and say, well, she wasn't talking about black children. She was talking generally about people who were involved in crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I. <laughs> what I do you think, I... <laughs> Laura? I feel like you're biting your tongue a little bit. You're a little uncertain. So here's the thing. I think that while he made a couple of valid points throughout his talk. Um, there was obviously more than what we played and we'll post the link to the, to the video in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he, he, he's not choosing his battles wisely here. Um, I think black lives matter is really, really important. And I think there's a reason that they are interrupting events like these. And I think that's a, re- a, a very valid reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that before you start yelling at them, you need to consider why it is that they're there. I think that he was trying to reframe the narrative a little bit, too, because the narrative surrounding that particular quote has been Hillary Clinton calls black children super predators. And that's been something that she hasn't really been able to get away from. And quite frankly, she hasn't really addressed it. And so it seems like maybe somebody in her campaign thought it would be a good idea for Bill to address it rather than mm-hmm. having her face plastered all over 24-hour, you know, uh, cable news defending mm-hmm. why she said what she said. So I think somebody in her campaign thought it was a good idea to have Bill address it, which I don't think they're wrong, but I think the tone was not right. great. I mean, Hillary <laughs> did did apologize for saying that. Mm-hmm. So, and to be clear, just to, just to be very, very clear about what we're talking about here, her, her saying super predators, this was decades ago, and this was when she yeah, was... Yeah, this was in the 90s. Yeah, this was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. This, was before, um, this was before anyone's concern with the criminal justice system had come to the fore. Not that it's an excuse by any stretch, but my point is that there was no context... Um, for for those remarks so she wasn't she wasn't saying or at least her campaign would tell you she wasn't talking about black people or black children she wasn't calling black people super predators i mean that's insane and that would be heinously offensive but that's Mm -hmm. not what she was saying she was referencing the gangs and it's easy for us in this day and age to forget exactly how atrocious and how and how prevalent Gangs were in the 90s, more so than I would argue than even now. So, Brad, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you have any, <clears throat> what do you, what do you think about, about 
Hillary Clinton being criticized for these remarks and, you know, from the clip, Bill's reaction to it. I mean, I think it's always kind of unfair but fair game, if you will. Like, when people pull these quotes out from, like, the mid-'90s, like, obviously that was a very different time. There were different things going on, as Matt mentioned, and it's a totally different context. I think for a campaign perspective, it's a lose-lose, right? It's an Mm -hmm. easy issue, like, oh, do black lives matter? Do all lives matter? It's just a conversation Hillary's not going to want to be on camera trying to have because either way she's going to look bad. And, um, you know, I think Bill defending the way he did in a rather raspy old man voice, if I might add, very, very disconcerting. I hope we're taking care of Bill. Well, no, he was, well, he's, he's, he's uh, in the video. Like this was, this is a clip from a video in the video. You will see that he is obviously very fresh, uh, flustered and he's holding back anger. I have never seen Bill Clinton this, this he's angry before. Little pissed. Yeah. He's a little pissed. Go, he's we can hear it. Life. It's true. Brad, I think you had something else you were going to say. Well, I was going to say like, I will quibble with the whole kind of way this is all being executed. I mean, we can have these kind of conversations, you know, like Lisa and I talk politics all the time and we're definitely of different political minds, but we talk, we listen, most importantly, we listen to each other and then we get a better understanding of our points of view. I can't imagine that throughout this campaign with Hillary trying to talk or say something and a protester who has a right to protest just shouting and making these remarks really is part of the engagement and listening process. I would love to see Hillary just flat out say, like, there needs to be interracial community discussions, and there also needs to be a discussion within the black community, too, on its support of its youth and its local communities and how engagement can just be better across the board. I think that would be way more presidential of her than what she's doing now, which is she's in campaign mode and she's just trying to duck. But at the same time, I've seen other clips, too, where Hillary has been approached and she's like, I'll happily talk to you when I'm finished this. I'll, I'm happy to talk afterwards. And the protester just just yells. They're like yelling, yelling, yelling. They want to make a show. Yell, yell, yell. And we get these clips. But I wonder, do they stay? Do they talk? Is there a listening? Is there a conversation? Or is it just, I'm going to yell, I'm going to be in your face, and then I'm just going to move on? Because then what's the difference then? Then, like, with a Trump supporter, like, it, <clears throat> there's no benefit to yelling and then just saying, you know what, I've said my bit, bye. Yeah, and yeah. I, I would agree, and I would apply that logic to the way Bill handled this as well. Mm-hmm. True. I think the, I think just to play, I, I, just to play devil's advocate, because I love it, um, I think the argument would probably be that the reason that they yell and interrupt is because they feel that's the only way to initiate the conversation, and, and that, that if they, they don't interrupt, they don't protest, and they're never going to get that narrative. It's never going to be written about. It's never going to be covered. No one's going to hear about it, and MSNBC will just keep airing the same commercials and you know the same narratives over and over again. And um, they don't—they're trying to interrupt that. In order to interrupt the dialogue, they have to interrupt the event. I'm not saying I necessarily agree 100% of the time, but I just want to point out, I think that's probably their approach. You know what I mean? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Fair enough. All right. Yeah, well, speaking of this, uh, Hillary's also had something happen just in the past couple of days. Um, we actually have a clip of Hillary meeting with Bill de Blasio um, where 
where de Blasio actually endorsed her and they made a, a racial, I guess you could call it a racial joke that kind of went over like a lead balloon. So Matt, go ahead and play that clip. Okay. I, I heard my name. I just have to say, thanks for the endorsement, Bill. <laughs> Took you long enough. Oh, Sorry, Hillary. I was running on CP time. That's not, I don't, I don't like jokes like that, Bill. That's not that's Cautious politician time. Right. <laughs> I, I've been there. Hey, hey. So the other voice that you heard in there was actually actor Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Aaron Burr in the musical Hamilton. Um, so this was a scripted joke, of which he was also a participant, but people are... Some people are kind of losing their minds over this, about um, about them making the butt of the joke something related to, quote, colored people time, right? Is that what mm. CP time means? Yes. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Wow. I was like, so who's, who's, like, staff thought this was a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that this was vetted in front of anyone over the age of 10. I know. I saw it and I was like, okay, first of all, I think half, well, less than half. Part of the problem is the delivery is fucking terrible. These people are not comedians. They don't, these people are not performers. So they shouldn't have been saying like any of anything like this to begin with. But also I'm just thinking like, I have no political experience whatsoever. And if I were on Hillary's staff and somebody came to me and said, hey, look at this joke. This seems pretty funny. I would be like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, I agree. I totally I think I think that who says it matters a lot. And like you're saying, there's no problem. I personally have zero problem with racially charged jokes or sexually charged jokes or gender based jokes. I have zero problem with those things. But I think they need to be coming from professional comedians. I think that they need to be in the comedic context in order for them mm -hmm. to work. Coming from elected officials, uh, particularly those who just aren't funny and don't have a history of doing this stuff, it just really sounds like you're super tone deaf. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. and some people are defending this, of course, because Leslie Odom Jr. is black and he was part of the scripted joke. And so people are saying, well... You had a person of color who was clearly a part of the joke. Yeah, and but that's like saying like, that, you know, I love black people. You know, I, I have friends who are black, so it's fine. I think it would have been very different <laughs> if he had given the punchline. Right? I, like, if he had delivered that. Like, I, I think it's really difficult to have two white people up on the stage making jokes about CP time while a black guy stands off to the side. Mm -hmm. And just goes, oh, snap. You know what I mean? It's, no, um, I just, I think it's, I think it's just not a good joke in general. We're going <laughs> to keep going in circles with this. I think it's safe to say that this was a really just, whether it was funny or not, you agree or not, it was fucking dumb. It was a, yeah. it was, it was a really yeah. dumb joke. It didn't, it was out of con, it, it was just really out of the blue. And I'm kind of surprised, like you said, that, that no one cut this off of the pass. But in other news, I want to talk about Goldman fucking Sachs. 
this news just came out in the past 24 hours, and I'm surprised it hasn't been talked about very much. So in a new settlement with the Department of Justice, giant-ass bank Goldman Sachs has signed and agreed to a statement that admits the bank knowingly misled investors about mortgage-backed securities. Goldman repackaged loans that were riskier than what they had told investors. This is going back to the housing bubble and the subprime mortgages. So Goldman is effectively admitting, yeah, we knew that was going to happen. We knew what we were doing. And, you know, sucks to suck. They are now paying uh, $5.1 billion to settle the Department of Justice's lawsuit against them. Um, $1.8 billion of that will go toward loan forgiveness for the families affected by the foreclosures and the whole housing crisis. So I guess my first question is, I mean, this is some accountability though, right? I mean, in the past, Goldman Sachs has refused to, and other banks, not just them, but in the, but in general, um, banks have refused to, um, say yes or no as to whether or not they feel they were actually guilty. They've just sort of pleaded the fifth. This represents one of the first times that a major bank involved has come out and accepted any kind of responsibility. So are we happy? Are we satisfied with this outcome? (laughs) I mean, it's pretty standard, right? There's always a fee or a fine to be paid. I mean... You have to figure that places like the SEC or the CFTC justify before all the assholes in Congress getting Mm -hmm. a big budget filled with lawyer salaries because they're like, hey, yes, we're very expensive, and so are staff. But we give the public billions and billions of dollars in fees that we poach from these firms. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see someone actually get arrested and i think that's the kind of justice that people want and the people have never gotten i don't i don't think people will ever get maybe i'm jaded no that's fair no i agree i like your assessment so i guess one of the questions though that that keeps popping up in this debate over you know the big banks and what have you especially this is a narrative that's definitely promoted by the bernie sanders camp uh, one thing I would say is, you know, give credit where credit is due. I think Bernie Sanders has been very good on this issue, and he's been kind of saying this all along, so I guess it's kind of a win for, for him to finally have some of the banks stepping up and admitting responsibility. But to what extent was any of this the bank's fault versus the people's fault because the banks are now admitting, yeah, we knowingly sold um, shitty mortgages and we knew that this shit was going to end badly and we did it for profit's sake. There's no question that that is just like ethically heinous and fucked up. Mm -hmm. But you can also make the same argument uh, in some cases, not all, but in some cases you can make the same argument of the people themselves who took those mortgages knowing they couldn't afford them, knowing that it was way above anything they would ever be able to pay back. Is that a fair assessment? Is that a fair dichotomy? I think it's difficult because you can also make the same argument about people taking out two tons of student loan debt. And Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people. I've taken out way more student loans than I'll ever be able to pay back, which is why I'm 
taking advantage of some of the federal programs we have, which allow me to <laughs> work off my loans through public service or to pay like on an income-based repayment plan. But ultimately, I have borrowed more money from the government than, than I'll ever be able to get back or give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, I mean, it's, it's difficult for me. I feel like I come from a place of bias because I also come from a place where growing up, I was told that education was my key to success. Right. Well, I'm, yeah. And these people are just trying to, to buy homes, homes to live in. Exactly. So, so I, I, I get that. Of course, the flip side is that, you know, this is for, for you and I, Laura, we did a, shitload of research into the loans and into the programs that were available for repaying them before we took them out. I mean, we spent months and months making sure that we would have a, a, a credible legal way of paying them back to the best of our ability. So should some of these people be held accountable for not having done enough homework beforehand? Brad, do you have an opinion on this? Oh, you know, I do have an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, like, I, you know, the financial sector, and this is why I actually am really opposed to the narrative that Bernie Sanders tries to play, is that it's super one-sided. So, like, you have one half of the entire financial sector is, like, regulated, and the other half is totally not. Like, I'm sure a number of, I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, The Big Short, um, uh-huh. but like the a-holes, yeah, maybe there are some on Wall Street, but the real a-holes are those guys in Florida selling mortgages to people they know won't be able to pay them back. And that's like shadow banking, which is actually what props to Hillary. She said in like a, like a variety of debates, she's like, Dodd-Frank has covered Wall Street. We need to go after shadow banks, which are totally unregulated. There are all these loan agencies. They're like, you know, cash your paycheck before you receive it type of agencies. And we don't regulate those and we still don't. And that is the big, the big part of the problem, right? Where the rubber hits the road and Mm -hmm. the loans are being sold to people who can't afford it. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely people who should have done the research and didn't. And I really don't have a ton of sympathy for that. And there's definitely like snake oil salesmen who are still not being held accountable and even though the big Wall Street firms frauded investors because they actually did their diligence and they were like, wow, this is easy money. These mortgages are crap. We can sell them, make fees, and then bet against them, make more fees. And that's obviously not ethical. But I don't know. I think the real culprits are, are still the shadow banking people who made these horrible loan offers to to these poor, and, and it's always poor, unsuspecting unsuspecting people Uh Um, but yeah you know the other thing too is like Congress incentivizes in a big way for student loans and for mortgages Um, you know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were told buy a ton of mortgage backed securities buy mortgages to make it really easier for for um, subprime people to get access to lending so I'm still surprised that Bernie Sanders hasn't admitted what is Congress's own role in trying to move into the financing of a market where otherwise banks probably wouldn't have given those loans. So you're saying that Congress is somewhat culpable because they sort of incentivized people to take more than they can or could. Oh, sure. They're like 30% culpable. And I would say, so that's, that's the other point, though, that I would make in some of these, these people's defense is that 
you know, they in some cases certainly they didn't do enough homework and and you know they are partly responsible but in many cases it wouldn't have mattered how much homework they did because they had you know the wool pulled over their eyes and they were being lied to by a lot of people saying oh you you can't afford this we promise it'll be fine look at this it'll be fine mm-hmm. so you know i i can i i ultimately i do feel sympathy for them but i think it's still an important distinction to make i didn't want to just present only one side of of this mm-hmm. but So let's move on from Hidden from the Headlines this week. This is an important one, Laura. Yes. So speaking of things the U.S. has fucked up, um, we are going to take a moment to address a very ugly part of American history that has indeed been largely hidden from the headlines for the past 70 years. So this week marks the 70th anniversary of the decision to imprison 120,000 Japanese Americans in internment camps following the attacks on Pearl Harbor during World War II. Um, this anniversary resonates particularly strongly during this election year, since the two Republican frontrunners have voiced their support for violating the rights of U.S. citizens who happen to be Muslims. Going a step further, Donald Trump recently said that he didn't know whether or not he would have supported imprisoning Japanese Americans had he been a leader during World War II. So I think the two main questions we can focus on here are, one, why is this a chapter of U.S. history so many Americans are unaware of? And two, do we think something like this could happen again in the U.S.? Jesus Christ, what a loaded yeah. question. <laughs> Part of the Trump platform. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fucking horrifying. I mean, we we laugh now, although we're not laughing so much anymore. But I would say, like six months ago, we were all laughing. I mean, the, I like it's sad that this isn't getting more press because this is like the lot. Like no one really thinks about when Trump makes these marks, like oh, Muslims should maybe wear some sort of identification or whatever. But this is like the logical end consequence of these kind of us versus them you know, struggle between culture, cultural background kind of policies. Like, I just think it's like really kind of, you know, as Laura mentioned, terrifying when you think about it. And I think it totally, do I think it could happen again? No, but do I think it's easy to just, I don't know, mentally or culturally isolate and segment a whole group of people within the United States and have them feel imprisoned or felt unsafe? Totally. Well, see, what really freaks me out about this is, of course, when FDR signed the executive order that that put these people in internment camps, the order didn't actually specify all Japanese people will go to internment camps. It didn't specify a specific race or, or ethnicity of people, right? But mm-hmm. everybody still knew what it meant. And so what scares me is that our law can still be that loosely interpreted, Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're really vulnerable if we mm-hmm. end up with somebody yeah. like a President Trump. Yeah, it wasn't so much Japanese Americans. It was so-called enemy aliens, I think was the, the term. Because that also included Germans and Italians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. Right. Yeah. I think it's proof, to me, this is proof of of how powerful of a motivator fear is. And because I think that the reason this happened was born purely off of base instinctual fear. And that's my problem with, I'm sorry, not just Donald Trump. Donald Trump is only saying what many, not all, 
not by any stretch all, mm-hmm. but he's only saying what several of the other GOP candidates are thinking and in effect and in effect want also, including Ted Cruz. And they all of them, so Trump, Cruz, they they all operate off of this this base emotion of mm-hmm. fear and anger. They're tapping into like this this negativity that is so powerful. And even though, of course, Trump is not propose anything like this um i am wary i'm wary of of the gop race because of instances like this in the past i think it's very obvious i think this should make it very obvious that we are not above this shit i think it's very easy for Mm -hmm. us to look at other countries who have these who've committed terrible atrocities and and feel superior somehow and and you know I, i i don't think that that's fair i think that what we did to the Japanese Americans um, was was heinous and too often forgotten, and we need to be very wary of campaigns that, even if they aren't proposing this, are still are still tapping into the same base emotions that got us to internment camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hello? Go ahead, Brian. Oh. oh no, go for it. Okay, I was just <laughs> going to say I think to Elise's point that it's very easy for us to sort of project on other countries that have had these types of atrocities and say, oh, look at them, look at how barbaric they are, because we don't teach U.S. history correctly. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that this, the whole idea of Japanese internment camps, was not presented to me in school. I ended up writing a paper about it in high school because I found out about it on the Internet by myself. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was mm-hmm. ever discussed in any of my history classes. How is it? That for a country that loves to spend so much fucking time teaching about the Holocaust, we can't talk about the fact that we kind of did the same thing. We just didn't kill as many people. Other countries notice these kind of horrible remarks, too. There's, I legit turn on the TV and there's like Japanese sponsored, like Japan is a great country to work with. So it's sad to see how this craziness, which is so ugly, is like so paraded in front of other countries. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Well, in much happier news, we are going to <laughs> really lighten this up a little bit. Jesus, God, I feel like I Damn. need therapy after that. Yeah. Guys. You do. Mm-hmm. I know. I needed therapy before that. Um, <laughs> do so- you like dragons? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be playing a game we call No Context. Brad, I'll explain this for you. We okay. play a few songs. They're chosen more or less at random. We have a theme. Uh, we play a few songs, and then we need to tie those songs into something that we have discussed earlier in the show. It can be a news story. It can be anything related to the dating discussion we had. But we have to make the connection. Um, so who has their first song for us, Matt? I so desperately want to tie this into the Bill Clinton story, but I won't. Um, This is the song. This is the song that I'm going to use to persuade my next OK Cupid crush to date me. I'm just going to start sending men lyrics to Gay Bar 
and hope that that pans out. Right? That works. Yeah, that works. Listen, if if I'm a dragon balls across your face. (laughs) Even in even close to working, then I'm pretty sure I can get away with gay bar lyrics. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I give it a All seven right. out of ten. Let's put let's put let's put Laura on the hot seat next. Oh, okay. Fuck. You ready, Laura? No. Let's do it. I'm gonna drag my balls across your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. so sad as I know all the words. Sing it. You can't stop no. You can try to stop the seasons, girl, but you know you never will. And you can try to stop my dancing feet, but I just cannot. All right, all right, all right. Shut up. All right, all right, all right, all right. So I would just like to say I think that Bill Clinton should model his interactions with protesters after hairspray. I think he should just start singing to them. And then everybody should start singing and just appealing to all of their senses of humanity. And then we'll be okay. Sure. I'm sure that that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's put Brad up next. And then okay. Matt, you can go last. All right. Uh, you were born for this. Born, born in the USA. In the USA. <laughs> Is that like born in the uh, we've covered an Afghan muppet um internment camps and like Black Lives Matter and like we hear this born in the USA. I don't know how to I don't know I how think to depressing. De- depressing, yeah. Pretty much. It's not that depressing. We pretty much took a giant shit all over the country this episode. I think that's a fair assessment. All right, Matt. All right. So much corn. All right, here we go. This one's mine. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere. You thought you found a friend to take you out of this place. Okay, so it's gonna be a it's gonna be a pretty nice, beautiful day today. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's gonna. It kind of reminds me of now. Let's do the Sesame Street story because it's one of the only positive stories that we talked about today. So how does it relate? What do you mean? I mean, it's, you know, we got, we got, it's a beautiful new day in the Sesame Street world. Sunny days. It says beautiful day. I don't, um, it's, you know, it's the, um, it's the positive things that we have to look for. And I think you two really embodies that, especially with this story with Sesame Street. I think Zari's going to bring in more beautiful days. Oh, good lord. Oh, Jesus. How many people have TVs in Afghanistan? Who's going to be watching the Sesame Street? People with HBO accounts. (laughs) I don't fucking Sesame Street cobble. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. But 
thank you, Brad, for coming on and joining us. Thanks yeah. for coming out. <laughs> We're going to have um, Brad's going to stick around for After Dark. We're going to talk more about our experiences with dating. We, I want to hear more about what you know the differences between the gay and straight communities, um, particularly as regards online dating. I want to ask you guys this about your single worst dating experience, a, a time where you embarrassed yourself, maybe, or um, were embarrassed by your date. So that's coming up next in After Dark, and uh, that's about it. You can find us um, at millennialshow.com. You can write us at millennialshow at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook and our Facebook group, Millennial. And I think that's it. Send us your OkCupid screenshots. Do it. Yeah, definitely. Follow at FuckOffCupid. Also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at millennialshow. Yeah. So that's about wraps it up, guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Start this episode on, on a high note, right, Matt? That's right. All right. Talk to you guys later. See you next time for episode 15. Bye. Bye, guys. like dragons what kind of question is that of course (laughs) (laughs) am i oh wait am i supposed to be playing music no i'm just gonna edit it in matt it's fine okay (laughs) i am so sorry (laughs) okay Get it all out. Sorry. Stop. Because <laughs> I'm supposed to be playing the straight, like I'm supposed to be straight faced in this, and you're making it very difficult. Fucking <laughs> Okay. I forgot what how this conversation went. I'm not even looking at it, so I'm just like really nervous. My legs are shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know if I can do this. <laughs> okay. Okay. If okay. I can't do it this time, it. Brad's going to have to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to do it. Come on. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I can't look at it. Sorry. Shut the fuck up. Okay, hold on. Okay, just do it. Just rip it off like a bitch. Just do it. Just a tip. Do you like dragons? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> okay, try it again. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> do you like dragons? <laughs> I'm muting my mic. Okay, mute your mic. Everyone mute your mic or something. Do you like dragons? What kind of a question is that? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that time at the beginning of the show, Brad, you asked if you ever peed without intending to? (laughs) It's starting to happen. Nice. I think I'm good, actually. All right, I got it all out.
Do you like dragons? What kind of a question is that? Of course. Because I'm going to be dragging my balls across. <laughs> Last time. Seriously. Okay, last time. Hmm. <laughs> Wait. I think I can't. I think I just have to take my headphones out. I can't even hear you say it. Okay, okay, okay. Alright. <laughs> Do you like dragons? What kind of a question is that? Of course. Because I'm a big dragon. <laughs> <laughs> dragging my balls across my face. Cause then I'm gonna be dragging my balls across your face. Alright.